also say a toe to so. You know what? A toe to so. A fucking a toe to so. Hello and welcome back to this free episode of Bottleman. It's the free. It is the free one. That's right. I've remembered what link what week it is. It's the free one. And um, it's free. we are delighted to be joined uh, this week by uh, returning champion Jess Green. Jess, how's it going? Good. I'm happy to be here. And also, of course, we are joined by uh, someone you may have seen a few times before. It is hungover Dan with a tummy ache. Dan, how's the tummy? Uh, ooh, ah, oh, it hurts. I, who did this you, to me? You need to swear revenge. What I'm asking, you know, like I'm, I'm looking around the room and I'm thinking, who gave me this tummy ache? Who was so mean as to target me? I, I, I think this is this could be a rare combination of gang stalking and Havana syndrome. I think you've. You were a um, what is it? A, a targeted person? Yeah, yeah. You you were a targeted person, but you're being you've been targeted by um, uh, the uh, a Russian directed energy weapon that's aimed at uh, NATO's most powerful indie rockers. I don't think that it's I don't think it's the, that it's the Russians. Uh, I think it's either um, the intelligence wing of Imagine Dragons uh, management or the intelligence wing. Of Tame Impala's management, maybe yeah, of course. Five, uh, eyes five Eyes is being, targeting uh, me. Impala, comma Tame, uh, Iron and Wine, uh, Imagine Dragons. Uh, imagine. Oh, God damn it! Come on, come There's on. There's more of them. You yeah. got this. Um, I Mother Earth. Interpol. And, uh, Interpol. It was right there. Oh. Yeah, it was right there. Yes, the Interpol. Yeah, not not the. Yeah, Not the international absolutely. police force. Um, so, look, one of the reasons that we're uh, we're all here today uh, is that uh, Canada finally has a budget. And uh, look, I haven't cracked this thing open yet, you know, but I'm pretty sure this Woo! is solved. There's everything is going to be fixed now that you know the Liberals and the NDP are working together, and we've got our um, you know the, the the people who know best are collaborating, the practical ones, the nice ones, and we're going to get the perfect alloy of niceness and practicality. We're going to leave the oil in the ground. We're going to uh, decriminalize drugs, and we're not definitely going to buy 88 new planes to do flyovers of Iqaluit. Mm. This budget answers the question, what's more powerful than one political party claiming to be as far left as you can possibly go without setting up gulags? It's two. Two political parties claiming to be as far left as you can go without doing land reform. And uh, one of the reasons we have uh, we have uh, Jess with us again today, uh, in addition to her uh, uh, charm and loveliness, is, of course, uh, that we assume that with the uh, ambitious carbon capture plans in this budget, specifically delivered through tax credits, uh, that is going mm. to be, you know, Probably fixing the, I would say, uh, outsize, given it's the size of its economy and population, impact that Canada has on uh, climate change, right? Yeah, it's going to be great. We're going to fix it, man, because all of the it, all of the emissions are going to get captured, and so we can just keep doing what we're doing. Yeah, the 
That's the main problem is that we're not capturing the emissions, right? That's what I understand. Totally, because that- it's really easy and, you know, it's it's basically, it's a no-brainer. It's cheap. It's reliable. I mean, there's no downside. Yeah, what- we're employing thousands of people to run around with big nets back and forth across the country, capturing these emissions. <laughs> uh, CSIS has uh, suggested to the uh, several tons of carbon that potentially uh, a girl would message them back if they did some kind of terrorist provocation. <laughs> so look, here's one one thing I'm a little bit concerned with. We're going to go through the budget. We've already there are elements that we've talked about when we talked about the the NDP Liberal Pact. Um, elements of it we didn't. And one element that I, of course, want to go through again because I'm obsessed with it. Um, but before we do that, I, I wanted to raise some concerns that I've had. I've read this budget from front to back. Uh, I used my little control F to just make sure that I didn't you know, miss anything. And I don't want to shock either mm-hmm. of you. There is no new public money in this budget to complete Tribute to Liberty Presents the Victims of Communism Memorial, Ottawa. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, you know what? Uh, That's okay. Because if Tribute to Liberty was a physical manifestation of the desire to uh, rewrite the history of World War II and do uh, Holocaust revisionism on a grand scale, they don't need to do it anymore because it's already happening online. So, uh, yeah. I mean, mission accomplished, I guess. Cost-saving technique. Yeah, it was it was real estate was too expensive. They're like, well, we can't do it anymore. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the uh, here's Marcus Kolga in the Star uh, on the issue, and again, it doesn't explicitly mention the the budget. Um, the uh, but it is interesting to note that this came out the day after the budget. Ahem. The memorial mm. to the victims mm. of communism, comma a land of refuge. Oh shit! I cut. There actually is a subtitle. <laughs> is the only project in Canada that seeks to commemorate the tens of millions of victims of communism. It is a collaboration between many ethnic communities across Canada whose members found refuge in our country after blah, blah, blah. Uh, Tens of millions, you say. I'm just just putting a... I'm just flagging that. However, the memorial has faced many challenges and is still waiting to see the light of day. 14 years since its inception, despite yet many challenges such as uh, dedications to avowed fascists (laughs) on its various uh, bricks and struts and cross beams. Um, Despite the expression of support from federal politicians, the remaining stages to complete the project are again delayed. Oh no! <laughs> a new act of abhorrent injustice is being committed today in Europe by Putin's regime. He's claimed the lives of thousands of victims and made millions flee their homes. It is time for the memorial to open to the public as a place to commemorate the victims, past and present, presumably of Putin's communist Russia. <laughs> what? No! I, I added that last bit of presumably of Putin's communist Russia because that's the uh, implication he seems to be drawing. Yes. <laughs> I was wondering, you know, when the war started, I was wondering uh, how long it would take the VOC Memorial people to start adding, you know, uh, Ukrainian casualties to 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 the bricks. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, this is this is kind of moot at this point because you've got like huge accounts like Julia Iafe or uh, the bizarre, the bizarrely reanimated Louise Mensch. Um, Doing uh, doing multi multi post threads about how Babi Yar wasn't as bad as whatever's going on right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and 
And you've got and you've got uh, uh, Florence Gaub, deputy director of the EU Institute for Security Studies, doing multi-post threads on things like, and I'll just read this. A few of you have taken issue with me saying that Russians may look European but are not European. Let me explain. Oh, please <laughs> explain to me. Do you need a yeah, caliper? I mean. No, she got a, the biggest uh, G- German precision engineered calipers uh, for this for this one. Yeah, it's a good one. It's like I, I'm. It's like twenty posts long. Oh, I love nice it. Stuff. Uh, so anyway, yeah. I just enough about what's not in there, which is funding to complete the victims of communism memorial. Given that, like you know, as you say, Dan, who cares about it anymore? They they got what they want. Um, why do they need the they memorial? Got exactly what they wanted. I want to talk about yeah. the budget. Uh, so okay. there's lots of different headline items in the budget, but I, I want to start with what I think is the most important because this is the one that's going to answer the question, will there be a budget nine years from now or 12 or 30? <laughs> <laughs> or will it be more of an economy based on uh, bottle caps or rocks? Or, you know, um, <laughs> will, 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 you know, um, um, Christia Cyber Freeland be... Uh, you know, say that this this pile of rocks and bottle caps represents uh, the the fight of my uh, ancestors. I'm I've said it before, and I'm saying it again. I'm happy uh, to uh, to go to the Hamilton uh, the Hamilton Arcology and sing songs for my yearly water ration from the uh, from the warlord who presides over it. So, one of the big things that we have here, right? That are, are the liberals' headline policy for fighting climate change is carbon capture credits. Jess, what are these and how do they work? Uh, this is just a, a hot mess. So the biggest um, budget item for climate in this federal budget is for carbon capture, utilization, and storage, CCS or CCUS. And that basically means when you burn fossil fuels, instead of just letting the CO2 go into the atmosphere, you capture it at the point of combustion, you compress it, Mm -hmm. and then you move it through pipelines um, to use it or to shoot it underground. How would you use it? Uh, So there's a bunch of ways you can use it. Um, You can use it for um, agriculture, like you can use it to help grow things, fertilizer. Um, But the main way that it's been used, hold on to your hats, boys is for what's called enhanced oil recovery. It's basically what that means is when you have an oil field and it's not yielding as much uh, or it's not yielding anymore, you use CO2 to, and I don't know the physics of this because I'm not that kind of doctor, um, you use CO2 to extract more oil. So that currently yields 20 to 40% more oil from an existing field. And then presumably you'd capture the carbon from the oil, the bitumen, uh, the petrochemicals that you extract from that field. Right. And then and then the and then the cycle just continues. Correct. That sounds good. Yeah. That sounds like <laughs> that sounds like we can keep doing what we're doing. Right. And uh, no one's lives will change in any measurable way. Yeah. It's it's um, I mean, there are other uses for it, but it, they haven't been as widely employed. And we've been doing carbon capture for enhanced oil recovery for like decades. Do you know what um, that sounds to me so like? There are other uses and you can shoot it underground, right? You can just sequester Ooh. it. Yeah. Yeah. And underground, we don't live there. And <laughs> no, that's right. fine. Just keep it there. And it totally, it totally will definitely stay there forever. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like, look, when uh, was the last time you went underground? Yeah, who do we care about? Point. It is a good More point. Yeah, no. Come on. Are we concerned about the Lemurians and the impact on their culture? Right. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the poor fraggles, you know. <laughs> so I, I want to get a little bit more about what they've specifically said about um, about about climate change, the approach in the budget, and uh, 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 how carbon capture uh, utilization and storage fits into that. And of course, the fact that <laughs> it's, it's a tax credit. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. They're not doing anything. They're just pulling on the one lever they can pull. Uh, so they've right. said, right, climate change is real and the path forward is clear. Yeah. So, doing- so basically okay. in the budget is um, it's a tax credit and it says if you use um, CCUS, um, technology, we will give you credits between 30 and 50%, depending on the equipment and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but here's the interesting thing about it is mm-hmm. that it can only be applied to projects in Alberta and Saskatchewan, <laughs> <laughs> which is curious. Oh, yeah. That's absolutely oh, going to so get weird. like the, yeah, the liberals I, I'm not elected. sure why they decided to do that. Um, it's absolutely yeah. going to get like the liberals elected in Alberta, yes. a province where like, you know, most of them will spend their call their kids university savings fund to take out a billboard personally saying they hate Justin Trudeau. This is going to be fine. Yes. Yeah, it's going to work perfectly. Um, so this is uh, this is great. This fucking rocks. This is just an overture to the West. <laughs> it's, so it's a total payout to the oil and gas industry. Uh, presumably, it's like a quid pro quo for the other very middling climate measures um, in the budget. Um, and it's the biggest investment in climate in the whole budget, right? So this fucking this absolutely fucking rocks. Do you guys remember before the last election when Trudeau dispatched Freeland back to her native Edmonton to like uh, basically promote the liberal agenda in Alberta? And, and it was just roundly rejected by everyone who lives there. <laughs> yeah, yes, right. But. I mean, and that's this is the corrective measure, but it's just a. I mean, it, it's bad. I mean, it's just really bad on so many levels. It's bad climate policy, obviously. Uh, it's a payout. It, we know that it doesn't work very well. So there was a paper um, at, in 2020 that looked at uh, 150 um, CCS projects in the U.S. And 100 of them um, had to be terminated or placed on indefinite hold <laughs> for a variety <laughs> of like technical reasons, right? So it's, well, it's, a, it's like a, it's not a tested technology which it, or very well-developed technology, which is the argument for government investment. But it's like maybe, I don't know, this is, I'm just putting this out there. Maybe we could use that money and invest it in like non-emitting fossil fuel technologies. Well, we're in the we're in the top three of uh, biggest biggest climate baddies. So uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm just glad our government recognized that and is focused on something that's really going to make uh, demonstrable change. Yeah, getting us to yeah. number one on that list. We love being number one on <laughs> yeah, lists. Let's fucking go. <laughs> that's, that's the other thing, right? Is that it, it, just thinking about this as a kind of like appeal to voters who at this point like. Just permanently hate them and are unwinnable back, right? The the idea that well, 
they're, they're, they're all, they all think that like it's gay to have a, a, a an oil field that doesn't emit smoke. It's just like they yes. already think that. So yeah, that's not going to bring them back around because they're going to hate it because you're doing it because they've learned to hate you. And so the idea that like this is going to create that like doing this a massive giveaway to the owners of these companies or, or this or the shareholders of these companies. Um, that is going to somehow translate into uh, uh, increased support in Alberta is uh, sort of, I'd say, complete, not only ignorant of the last several years of the development of how political bifurcation in Canada has worked, but also is completely ignorant of... Um, uh, of, of the it's 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 the worst kind of trickle down climate economics where we're sort of playing a delaying game that's not even going to do the thing it's trying to do it, it's going to fail on its own <laughs> terms and on its cynical terms <laughs> yeah i mean presumably this is like a um uh like a bargain for actually capping in um emissions uh on oil and gas in the future which has yet that has not been the date or cap has not yet been determined but yeah it's just right it's not it's it's not a good policy on its own terms and it's a risky and expensive investment in something that's going to be obsolete sooner rather than later and then yeah. you're going to have all of these political problems about jobs and polarization like amplified yeah i mean the people they're trying to appeal to already think that they are doing stalinism uh in, in the golden horseshoe. So, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's, there is one important point to make here, which is a, a clarification, um, which is that, um, CCS, um, like we're going to need to take carbon dioxide out of the air, right. If we're going to hit 1.5. So that's why there's all this discussion and investment now in direct air capture, and, you know, CCS can be used or should be developed for things where we don't yet have non-emitting options, like so the production of cement, the production of steel, right? Those are really energy intensive, emissions intensive. And we can't do those without um, CO2 at the moment. So those would be likely candidates for, you know, some kind of government investment to decarbonize those sectors. But we know how to decarbonize the oil, like oil and gas for electricity generation. And so this mm -hmm. is just like, it's just, misdirected and misapplied for the political reasons that you described Riley. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and that's a lot, before I sort of carry on, I want to say also, it's not, I, I never want to make the claim that like, you know, the um, progressive parties can't win in, in places with sort of conservative government hegemonies, but that these kinds of giveaway status quo giveaways to bosses seems uh, hardly the way to go about it. Um, and I, but I do have one reaction, of course, to uh, this plan. She says, this in and of itself probably isn't enough for a final investment decision, but it's a very important step and we're generally pleased. Said Mark Cameron, senior advisor to the Oil Sands Pathway to Net Zero Alliance, which consists yeah. of the six companies <laughs> representing 95% of oil sands output. I mean, give me a fucking nice. break. It's just like, mm -hmm. yeah, Net Zero Oil Sands is just, it, it, I mean, it's like the highest level of absurdity. It's, it is essentially a... But just to remember, right, the party that you are consistently told to vote for for harm reduction reasons, and then the liberals, 
right? Those two have uh, have gotten together to create or support a uh, budget that is largely that is being applauded by the oil, the oil industry as good, but not doesn't go far enough <laughs> in giving. In giving That's how you know us. you're making good climate policy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but there's 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 <laughs> Look, more. Uh, if you're going to take the center position, you know we've we've covered this extensively on this show. If everyone is mad at you, you are correct. <laughs> except the oil companies. You're, if they're mad at you, you're wrong. Except the oil companies. Exactly. Yes. Uh, but there's a couple more a couple more things that sort of jumped out at me. One of which is, hey. They're going to decarbonize transport in the best possible way, which I assume means, um, you know, a rapid re, um, rapid infrastructure rollout of, say, public transport, electrification of trains, um, and long-term rural bus routes and so on. And no, it's electric cars. Sorry. It's uh, a f- not only that, though. I mean, look, road transport is important. Better it's electric than internal combustion engines. But the fact that, like, again, they're, they're able to say, ah, well, you know, um, public transport trains, that's not really our thing. We, that's not really in our remit. So we're not going to do anything about it. Is I think the kind of political lack of ambition, sorry, we can't do anything about this because of the rules, <laughs> that, ascent, that makes them sort of people so disconnected from politics in Canada. The idea that, well, um, it, that there's that the people who can do something about it based on the rules don't have access to the money printer. And the people with access to the money printer are hidebound and unable to do anything. And so they're saying, well, to, deca- to decarbonize transport, we're going to create a $5,000 one-time incentive for buying electric vehicles, which, of course, if you know anything about about the public subsidy of, of, of consumption in this way, public subsidies for private consumption from private enterprise, do you know what that does to the price? Drives it up! <laughs> it's... It's going to jack it up. Well, look, I have a counterpoint, a little bit of lived experience. So I've been in Beverly Hills for uh, 48 hours. Mm -hmm. um, And I've noticed that not only, you know, not only does everybody look great here and seem super healthy and normal, uh, they're all driving Teslas. They're driving their Teslas back and forth uh, along Hollywood Boulevard. They're stopping at the pink dot and yelling at a Kia owner because they cut them off. Um, They're stopping to take a picture of the Morbius uh, billboard, you know, and and real estate here, very expensive. So these people are doing life right and they have electric cars. So (laughs) this is really, I, I think, like a good future for Canada. If we could just be more like if we could turn all of Canada into Beverly Hills, Mm. Well, no, sorry, Dan. Uh, we We're going to turn we get to net zero. 5% of Canada into Beverly Hills, and then the other 95% <laughs> into an open pit lithium mine. Yes, yeah. yes, there we go. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. Centralization, empty the countryside. We're doing reverse uh, Khmer Rouge shit. Yeah. Let's get everybody in the cities. Um, you know, so the, was, the, wasn't okay. that the, um, who was it? Like, uh, it wasn't Ezra Klein, the, some... Twitterati, who with the book about we need a billion Americans, right? We just need more people, yeah, you know, densely populated, and then they'll just figure shit out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. innovation, baby. They're all going to have electric cars, Uh, but no, it's and and it's more complicated than just a subsidy increases the price of something. But the most my, my experience with a public with a with a, the government trying to solve a consumption problem with um, by subsidizing the consumption of that thing, but that's made by a monopoly or sort of oligopoly of producers, which is housing in the UK, when the government basically would guarantee your mortgage up to 
uh, half a million pounds and you only had to have like a 5,000 pound deposit and you could get in the housing ladder. It was called help to buy. Well, what that meant Mm. is that every two bed new build flat in London suddenly magically had a price floor of half a million pounds. Wouldn't you know it? Because the government would just help you buy the rest of it. Um, so weird. Yeah, it's so odd. Uh, and I mean, it's subsidizing electric cars, but not uh, combustion engine cars would, on the one hand, it, it probably it will change the price comparatively. But on the other hand, especially if people are buying more and more electric cars, it just is essentially a uh, giveaway to uh, car companies instead of, again, like having a train. One train will take <laughs> one train. <laughs> but wouldn't it... Riley, wouldn't it be better if Air Canada presents the Rogers Tim Hortons uh, Canadian Tesla? <laughs> well, look, we just got to have the we got the branding on it. You know, I think not enough was made of the sponsorship scandal. We could have been better. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we we've, we've spoken about like um, you know zero emission vehicles before, right? But and, and again, I think it's you can't say that like there can be like they're not part of the solution at all. Sort of looking at Jess for this one, right? But imagining that they're going to be as front and center as they are in this budget when public transport is not mentioned at all. I mean, that seems to me to be a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I mean, that's just it. Right. And and this is the like the tricky thing about how we're sort of starting to think about climate policy as something more than like emissions mitigation, right? Like that's the the focus is like, oh, we just have to focus on like the tailpipes and the power, you know, the smokestacks. It's like, oh, no, we don't have to think about things like providing housing for people or how public transportation is organized in cities, right? And that's, you know, that's slow in happening. And there's a lot of reasons for that. So, I mean, I think you're right, Riley, like it, it's, it's complicated because transportation is a quarter of Canadian emissions, right? So that's a big chunk. Um, and so we need, you know, we need zero emissions vehicles. And um, Canada has said that now by 2035, all new cars and, and light trucks have to be zero emissions. And that's important, right? Because it sends a signal to uh, the auto industry, like we're not fucking around, like you got to actually start doing this. And a number of auto manufacturers have said that's what they're you know going to start to do because they're responding to the regulatory signals. Um, and I think that's right. But then the question, as you rightly say, is like, how much do you subsidize that, right? Or um, mm-hmm. in, the, in the short term, particularly when you haven't built out the fucking infrastructure. Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the other, the other issue here is that we don't fucking bake electric cars. So mm-hmm. what are we doing? We're going to, uh, we're going to open, open up pit mines to pull out lithium out of the ground and sell it to our friends, the Americans, and then we're going to buy their cars. This is is the other thing that's in the budget is, uh, which I was perusing this morning, $3.8 billion for a quote, critical mineral strategy, Mm -hmm. which includes a critical mineral exploration tax credit for um, exploration of, uh, you know, things like lithium and copper. Um, And so this is like the new frontier, right? Because we have lots of deposits, right? We have stuff to pull out of the ground. And, um, you know, this will just like with carbon capture, right? This will create green industry and put us like at critical choke points in the supply chain and position us as leaders, blah, 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 blah. Sure. Yeah. So, so this is basically, um, the war is coming home so we can, uh, we can, we can do Russia, Montana domestically here, you know, Mm. 
<laughs> we can we can do what Rio Tinto has been doing abroad, but focus it uh, at home. Yeah. The uh, let's just say the um, once again, uh, I swore this would never happen, but it seems as though the frontier has inverted and is now expanding uh, in the metropole. I don't want to alarm you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And if you look at like the distribution, there's this crazy map, like it's all, not all of it. It You would think it would be sort of be way in the, you know, Northern outposts, but a lot of these, um, you know, deposits are, yeah, in, in or near metropoles, right? Like this is, this is coming soon to a theater near you. <laughs> I, for one, am looking forward to uh, being drafted into uh, digging lithium out of the Ajax Arcology, you know, in the greater Toronto area. Uh, look, I I actually think that the Pickering Biodome offers better value for money, and you get to dig nickel, which is easier. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like this, as, 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 as I could tell, right, this, this was like one half of the uh, climate action in the uh, in 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 the budget, I mean, there was a number of things they said oh, we'll continue doing this and that, but very little of it. Sort of, um, you might say, in terms of responses to the severity of this problem, and their uh, and they said that this is being pitched as a response to the severity of this problem. I mean, in the introduction to the section, right? They do the classic liberal thing where they say climate change is real, the path forward is clear, it's more urgent than ever, blah blah blah. Which is like, we hear you, we feel you, you're valid. We're giving money to the oil companies, uh, but you're valid. Um, there's another. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Right. And we're planting 2 billion trees. So it's cool. Absolutely. We're planting tons and tons of trees that absolutely are are not going to just catch on fire later. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Never. That would would never happen. Or be or be washed in a giant sluice uh, uh, through the country because of an atmospheric river. Uh Oh, yeah. No, yeah, I mean, on. right. So some like no brainer things, right? If you look at um, the sort of ranking of Canada, I mean, so Canada has literally never met a climate pledge that it's made internationally, which is mm. amazing, right? Like, and that we're not, you know, that we we still kind of pretend to be leaders on climate. It's it's pretty pretty amazing, but like some yeah no brainer shit. Like, let's not subsidize the oil and gas industry anymore, right? So there is a, I think there's a proposal to strike a committee to think about how to change uh, subsidies for oil and gas sometime. Um, But we're not going to subsidize any foreign direct investment in coal anymore, because that's bad. We are going to, Mm -hmm. we are going to kick that can so far down the road. Don't even worry about it. We've we've formed an exploratory committee to determine the angle of the kick to the can and what brand of shoe we will consider presenting to the other committee that will put the shoe on when we kick the can. Exactly. Yes. Um, and, yeah. you know, on a geopolitical level, there's good resource extraction, like uh, opening a giant pit mine uh, outside of Hamilton. Um, and then there's bad resource extraction, which is uh, China doing coal stuff mm-hmm. or you know. Or even China doing rare earth stuff, right? It's just yes. like the China blaming is like that will continue with this, right? Um, yeah. you know, well, it's it, 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 just it's bad when they do it, right? I, I mean, we do it. Uh, we have the best of intentions. They do it. Uh, they're they're uh, 
they're rubbing their hands yeah. together. It's uh, it, it's 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 actually red mining, and uh, it is very scary. Um, <laughs> red mining. Uh, so there, there, there's another bit I think of in here that actually is also climate policy, though it's in the tax section, which is the pandemic profit windfall tax. So. You know how mm. you know how the um, the liberal government loves to loves to means test, right? Well, this is this is a means test, uh, right? That basically says, look, all right, if you're making over a billy, then this applies to you, right? So this is a means test <clears throat> to the top end. Uh, so you got to be making a billy annually, um, but only uh, no oil and gas companies are included in those eligible to pay the tax. You know, it's interesting and probably completely unrelated to this budget, uh, even though it started happening after the budget came out or right before, is that uh, a couple of people I know who uh, are in law school uh, were saying that um, REITs have been extremely aggressive in trying to recruit um, Canadian, recent Canadian uh, law school graduates with, uh, let's say, uh, a comprehensive knowledge of Canadian tax codes and uh, headhunt them and get them jobs at the Cayman Islands for some reason. I don't know why. I mean, yeah, I mean, this is, I've, I've actually, I've, I've done some work on this and like, yes, you know, taxing it's, it's, a, it, you know, again, this goes back to the over uh, the obsession with smokestacks and tailpipes, actually changing the tax code to like tax the shit out of oil and gas companies might do a lot <laughs> to help with climate policy and mm-hmm. um, it and offshoring is like a big problem um, for you know wealthy people in general but also for for oil and gas companies um, and the other thing right is that the it's interesting the people the companies that were targeted by this there are 49 companies that are making over a billion dollars a year in Canada but only 10 of them were eligible um, which is like who did they piss off? <laughs> Jesus, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Some banks and insurers, which is like yeah, they're they're basically it's a pandemic profit windfall tax. But um, you know, uh, food and drink companies, grocery stores, uh, which is like you know like a pretty healthy percentage of the companies with profits of over a billion in 2021. Um, they didn't get the windfall tax, even though they made huge windfalls from the pandemic. Same thing with oil and gas companies, huge windfalls. The pandemic didn't get taxed. It's like they were able to... It's like they saw the movie The Other Guys and decided it was finally time to implement an urgent and necessary policy from 2011. This is the... This is the liberal NDC compromise, right? It's just, it it is just perfectly middling. And it's so ill-suited for any climate policy. Like, it just cannot be this way, right? If you believe, I mean, the IPCC report was just like, you know, pretty obvious. Like, guys, we got to turn the ship around like ASAP. And this is just, it's not only, um, it's particularly pernicious because it's not only, you know, investing in the status quo, which is, uh, which is financially dangerous, but it fools people into thinking that we're actually doing something. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it's, it's Potemkin action. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
It's it's your you are the problem is the game, but you're saying if you just make the right moves inside the game, then you know we will be saved. But you know the issue is that you know you're playing game that involves you're playing game of Russian roulette, and you're trying to think of the different strategies of Russian roulette that you could play in order to like <laughs> have you win. But like you're being handed the gun, and it's gone off it's gone off without firing four times, and you're trying to figure out the right way to spin the barrel instead of putting it the fuck down. Gotta means test that shit, man. <laughs> Look, we can't stop playing Russian roulette because then the crucial elements of our life that depend on playing Russian roulette, such as uh, the money we make selling pictures of us playing Russian roulette or the tickets that we sell to people to watch us play Russian roulette, th- we'd have to find another job, you know? Yeah, yeah. impossible. And I'd have to remake this sign that says Russian roulette here today. You know, I'd have to make a new <laughs> sign. And I don't want to do that. Are you going to do group that? discounts available. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, it's, it, it is... It, it, it is. It, I. It, I don't want to say it's astonishing because it's not astonishing because this is what we've come to expect from these people. But it is at least impressive that they've been able to yet again make it look like they're doing something without actually doing something. That sort of just playing for time at this point. I don't want to put this on one particular person, but we have definitely said this before on the podcast, um, and it's something that I have thought about for a couple of years now, but. The fact that the budget is being presented by someone who lives through uh, possibly one of the biggest transfers of wealth in uh, recent human history, and 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 witnessed uh, the the effects of that being um, the fastest and biggest uh, uh, decrease of life expectancy in recent human history in a developed country, the fact that that person uh, is presiding over this budget is kind of unsurprising to me. Yeah, I mean, so like, like Gilbo and um, and um, McKenna have, have you know signed off on this, obviously. And I mean, Gilbo, it's it's interesting how his he's turned from being a quote unquote eco warrior to what he is now. But you know, there's this mm-hmm. rhetoric of like every tool in the toolbox, right? That's why we need CCS because you know this is a urgent problem, and so we have to do all these things. And, you know, what you're saying, um, Dan, and like what you said, Riley, before about Potemkin um, policies is like, it's not every tool in the toolbox, right? If the, the obvious thing here has to do with the transfer of wealth and the concomitant like asymmetry of power, right? If you give mm-hmm. all this money to oil and gas companies, they're going to fucking run the show, right? And so Absolutely. we need to think about, yeah, taxing, <laughs> taxing them and taking away their wealth and stop and actually as a first order things, not subsidizing them anymore. Um, And that is the tool, the big tool with the, like a lot of leverage that's just not being considered. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. What do you want? It's done done playing the fun Russian roulette. It's our favorite game. Come on. (laughs) We love it. Playing Russian roulette. Come on. I, I want to talk about a couple more elements of the budget. Anyone who listens to this show knows that I talked about housing the last time we talked about uh, the budget, uh, the budget, the deal, etc. I'm going to talk about it again because I, everyone knows why it's. I think the it's it's a great test case. Uh, so Freeland has said our economy is built by people, and people need homes in which to live. Case closed. Okay. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Do we? Are we going to? Um, make that happen 
Uh, well, she said we will prevent foreign investors from parking their money in Canada by buying up homes. Um, however, there is no single silver bullet to solve Canada's housing crisis. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. There is. <laughs> there is every tool in the toolbox. Bust up the REITs. You know, mm. no one gets to own more than one property. Sorry. Uh, the wah, wah. REITs, <laughs> though, those are Canadian. Those aren't right, Chinese. Okay. Those are foreign, foreign investors. No. Yes, well, right. I mean, look, are all of their activities based in the Cayman Islands now? Yes. Are they staffed entirely by Canadians? Not at all. How Are their shareholders <laughs> primarily Canadians? Of course not. But are they registered in Canada? Have they filed a paper with us? And I'm afraid, yes, they have. By the way, they paid $4 in tax last year. Uh, I don't know how much they paid in tax. That was a number I just pulled out of my ass. But if they're based in the Caymans, I'm sure it's a lot. Um, Actually, you're right, Riley, because if we cracked in on RAITs, then uh, the publishing company McClellan Stewart uh, would not have been able to release this book that's uh, coming out this week called Unprecedented. Um, as told by chief executives from some of Canada's most notable companies, including Cadillac Fairview, uh, real estate companies, Cadillac Fairview's John Sullivan, uh, stories of perseverance, determination, and leadership during the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, you want to get rid of that? Could, you, uh, <laughs> the, uh, could we please order that book? Uh, we're going to read it for the podcast. Uh, I'll edit right. that out. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, no, here's what we said, right? Number one, economies built by people. People need homes in which to live. Karl Marx copied off of Christian Freeland, of course. Um, and she said, look, we're going to help Canadians buy their first home, which is great. And they're supporting a series of new measures to support first-time home buyers and help and make the path to ownership a reality for renters, such as... Uh, the, the uh, wide creation of a uh, social... No, sorry. Sorry. I misread that. That's a tax-free first home savings account. Okay. All right. It's pretty good, uh, right? Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, uh, <laughs> pretty good, right? Uh, is mm-hmm. that, how... how God, uh, Riley, yes. are we still playing Russian roulette and can I have to go... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we moved on from the Russian roulette section to the uh, living in a cardboard box and loving it section. What do you want to do? Live not in a cardboard box like some kind of Chinese person? Um, <laughs> the gun has gone off five times. I think my odds are pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Look, what are the chances of it changing what it's done five times before? Come on. Um, no, so look, they say this is what's so funny. It's like, there's just, yeah, we're going to do nothing. We're going to build a bunch of houses. And what that means is we're going to encourage the development of a bunch of houses. They're going to be owned by the same RAITs. And then we're just going to scratch our heads and say, there's no silver bullet, even though these people keep shooting silver bullets into the Canada's real estate market to get to themselves, get richer. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and again they mm -hmm. do the thing right where they they do the we hear you we're listening you're valid they say there is a concern that the concentration of ownership in residential housing can drive up house rents and house prices and undercut the important role that small independent landlords play oh my fucking god oh is there (laughs) what's that role (laughs) what's the role just say it in one set Just, just you don't even have to explain it fully just summarize it what's the role they say it's there, but what is it? What they 
So, yeah, it's important that people like Stavros, the guy that owns uh, 50% of the studio that I rent in Montreal, it's important that Stavros, a small independent landlord, uh, can go to my studio mate and say, after a massive cockroach infestation, and say, I'm really glad I don't have to choke you to raise the rent. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought when he got, yeah. I, I thought that Come Town was going to end in a year, and then he was going to become a landlord. But I guess it's happened sooner than than later. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, Milo cut that. I don't like talking about other podcasts on here. Um, okay. Yeah. Many believe that this trend has also led to a rise in rent evictions. Many believe this. You know, I'm getting rent evicted. Me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're one of the many, Dan, who believes this. To address these concerns, Budget 2022 is going to announce a federal review of housing as an asset class in order to better understand the role large corporate players in the market and and the impact on Canadian renters and homeowners. Uh There it is. Better understand. So they're going to do some research. They're going to they're going to send some people out with some, uh, you know, like detecting devices and notepads. And they're really just going to get to the bottom of this. How is this wealth accumulation happening? Kicking the shoes for kicking the can. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is exactly yes. Just well, no, come on, you didn't want us to do anything. <laughs> come on, that would be that would be just ridiculous. Um, and again, supporting like, and a lot of this is like moving forward in a home buyer's bill of rights, which is just like making it easier to like buy a home. But in terms of in terms of like trying to um, you know stop the housing casino, they're basically doing mm-hmm. nothing, 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 nothing. Yeah. Uh, why would they? If, I mean, a lot of these people are landlords themselves. <laughs> like, like, uh, why turn off the free money tap? Uh, I, I want to run through a couple. People more. are still buying tickets to the big Russian roulette show. You know, <laughs> sure. Are there? Are there, is the floor fucking littered with bodies? Am I ankle deep in blood? Yes, but people are still coming in. I want to go to a few more. Um, so, uh, by the way, if you wondered, are there is there anything based on what we talked about with Garth and Sam from the crackdown? You'd expect that there would be nothing about drug legalization in here, and guess what? There's not. <laughs> Good. Yeah, yeah. The, again, Canada like having the um, having the fucking like one of the single worst um, uh, 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 like uh, opioid uh, death rates in the fucking world. It's like more than car crashes and suicides and stuff for a certain um, uh, like subsets of the demographic in BC. Not a mention. Not a mention. Well, I mean, they're dead, right? So, like, what are you going to do? <laughs> That's a very good vote. point, Jess. Um, That's yeah, right. There are a bunch they're of people not, playing Russian. There are people in Alberta who think Justin Trudeau is uh, is uh, Castro's son. So, not important. Yeah. There, there are a number of people who are playing Russian roulette with a gun that has five bullets in it because we've made it illegal for them not to do that. We just have to tell them, <laughs> hey, you can take out the bullets and we're not doing that. It's as easy yes. as us just saying it. And they're, they're not even forming a fucking committee to an explore an option to determine the color of the binder that could be used to, to distribute the policy in. It's not e- it doesn't even have that. It has nothing. When they're not... When they're not forming a committee, that's when you know it's uh, they really don't care. <laughs> yeah, they're not even pretending to care. Um, 
But we do have a big military section. We've talked about, you know, the procurement of the uh, wonderful F-35. But did you know that we're also going to be combating misinformation and disinformation? Because it's 2015. (sighs) We're doing the fucking uh, uh, Hillary Clinton posting brigade. Um, This is going to be so good. It's going to be so good. We're going to get uh, like whatever the Canadian correspondents for the Kiev Ind- Independent are going to be heading a committee that just like perma bans people from the internet forever. <laughs> so we we have led the establishment of the G seven Rapid Response Mechanism as a coordinated effort with our allies to confront this threat of disinformation and protect G seven democracies from foreign threats. Um, since then, the program has played a key role in detecting and identifying foreign interference in state-sponsored disinformation against democracies. But it's like, yeah, 13.4 million, 2.8 million. Um, yeah, again, like, I don't know. If a, bunch of, if a bunch of guys in northern Macedonia with a Facebook group can upset your democracy, then maybe you didn't have much of one to begin with. Um, you know what's weird you know what's so strange is that uh, since 2016, um, all, all of our favorite characters on this show have been warning over and over again, oh, you know, foreign foreign countries are messing with our democracy. We're going to get a Manchurian candidate. We're going uh, to our, our democratic norms are, are going to be dissolved by this like corrosive uh, fake news. And weirdly, the liberals have just been in power since then. It's so odd that the people who complain about this the loudest and the most continue to remain with like a fucking stranglehold over uh, the levers of power, yeah. you know, in this country. It's so weird. You wouldn't, you wouldn't want some Facebook groups threatening that stranglehold, would you? No, uh, so, <laughs> I guess not. Especially because like, I don't know, you know, you know who seems to be, uh, if Christia Freeland's out there saying there is no silver bullet to make housing affordable, sorry. The person who is out there doing that is fucking Pierre Poilevre, that guy. He's fucking, do- he's <laughs> saying that. He doesn't fucking mean it. And he's gonna, and all of the things he's proposing are like reducing red tape or whatever. But he's saying that there is something that can be done and it's not going to be disinformation if people go with the person who says actually there is something that can be done as opposed to the people who keep saying there's nothing that can be done. I, I think we're getting to the heart of what is so, I mean, I try, I try not to get, bless you, I try not to get like uh, extremely infuriated uh, on this podcast, but this, this episode has uh, steamed my grits as it were and Jess and Riley, I think everything that we've been talking about uh, just points to the fact that like there is no legitimate opposition to this in Canada, right? Like, I can't think of a single political figure uh, who is not uh, just like like Paul Bear, like talking out their ass. I can't think of anyone who's bringing up legitimate political uh, uh, political opposition to this budget and this way of governing the country. Like, it is maddening. Well, I, I mean, I think like this is obviously like not my area of expertise, but you know, people are just busy scraping by, you know, it's like in between interest rates and inflation, right. It's just, and all of the pandemic support has now disappeared, right. Like it's hard to pay attention when you're busy making ends meet. Yeah. Yeah. And especially I think the other reason, right. Is that, you know, there were there were these great moments of rupture that happened in 
um, the UK, the US, uh, and, and, and Europe as well, just sort of uh, by with the with the crisis and stuff. But Canada has just kept on. That's what I used to call it in the early early bits of the show. Canada is the lazy river, you know. It's it's a place that, while living conditions have been getting uh, worse for people who are officially not cared about by the sort of Canadian, the great Canadian edifice, right? Um, we just seem to be floating down, kind of unable to metabolize or unwilling to metabolize uh, the world outside the lazy river. Because we didn't really have, a, we didn't have anything. We didn't have a financial crisis in two thousand eight. Instead, um, or we, we we had a much smaller one because our because our housing sector was just very different. I mean, we still had a, a recession and everything, but it was it was very different. Um, it, it didn't it didn't result in like an, a change in the. Uh, inter, it didn't result in an intercept change in um, you know like for example house prices. It resulted in like a slope change. Whereas in the U.S., it was an intercept change. It was a step change. Uh, but we also didn't have a sort of great moment of political rupture. It's just kind of been, it sort of was like we went from our version of Bush to our version of Obama and, and it just sort of stayed like that because we didn't have a resurgent left really. We, we th th There has been no kind of, there's been no rupture with the hegemony of like 1990s third wayism. It's just because of a series of um, accidents of uh, geography, of uh, of the distribution of power, of even things like the fact that we already had the Freddie and Fannie bailout built into our political system. We didn't need to legislate for it. It wasn't hard. It wasn't political. It didn't. It wasn't a break from how we did things in the past. We just kept on stumbling and bumbling along as things have gotten slowly worse and worse and worse. And then you look out and you realize that this lazy river you've been sitting in is getting slowly more polluted every day. And you just can't realize it. The weather has been getting slowly worse. And you don't realize it. You look at the inner tube you're lying in and, um, you know, it's <laughs> full getting of silver bullets. It's, 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 full, it's full of silver it's, bullets. It's a lot yes. more patchy. Maybe it's leaking a little bit, but you didn't notice because it's just gotten worse in tiny little bits each time. And then that beer you're drinking... Mm, it was a delicious, uh, you know, it was a Sleeman. It was nice. You're looking back down. What's happened? The last four times, it's actually your glass has been refilled with Lucky. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Lucky Lager all the way down. Yeah. And it's you, you just didn't notice it was getting this much worse because there was no dramatic departure from the Lazy River. It's just the Lazy River is pretty bad now. But it's hard to realize because it's happened so slowly. Yeah. I mean, as as an American, I think like I think the comparison with like the Obama years is is right. You know, I think that's what's here now is like everyone's like, well, it's not great, but it's okay. And you know, the people in power are reasonable about you know sort of key social issues. And so, even though the river is getting more polluted, it's fine. But it won't mm -hmm. it won't last. I mean, it can't. You know, I don't think the lazy river can can like last in perpetuity. Unfortunately, I think this N NDP liberal um, bargain will, will perpetuate things for a while, but it'll just do the same thing that Obama did, which is sow the seeds for some crazy shit like Trump. Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah. Absolutely. And like, you know, just just because it's been hard for us to generate that exact type of fascist doesn't mean we can't. You know, it doesn't mean we <laughs> no, won't we definitely necessarily. Can. We 
We definitely can. We're great at producing fascists. They just, uh, you know, get jobs in America. <laughs> I want before I want to talk about one more one more element of this before we go, which is uh, on reconciliation. So this is like addressing the shameful legacy of residential schools. Uh, it addre- it proposes a number, a couple of things that you might say are uh, bare minimum, which is um, you know acknowledging the shameful legacy of residential schools and colonialism, providing lots and lots of providing like a good amount of money, two hundred nine point eight million. I don't know if that's enough. I have no benchmark to compare it to, but it seems like uh, like a bit. But you know, defer to someone else to, for saying if it's enough to like document, locate, memorialize these burial sites, you know, these mass graves from the from the sort of past decades. Um, and but also, uh, it's going to give another ten point four million uh, to support a special interlocutor who will work collaboratively with indigenous peoples and make recommendations for changes to strengthen federal laws. And practices to pr- protect and preserve these burial sites, and finally, five point one million to Public Safety Canada to ensure the fucking RCMP can support community-led responses to unmarked burial sites. Oh, no. god, fucking damn it! Come on. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know what? We're going to take the people, the organization that fucking did this, and they're going to partner with you in memorializing it. But no, not not to take the blame. By the way, no, 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 no. no. No, they're not going to be taking the blame. <sighs> Just uh. <laughs> is there is there anything more um, more uh, a liberal than like we are going to acknowledge the uh, crimes of our country? We're going to memorialize them, and then the uh, organization that perpetuated them is going to get some money to uh, participate. We got to support our RCMP. Um, you know, yeah. who knows? Like, okay, going back to the beginning of the episode. Jess, you were saying carbon capture. We need uh, pipes, right? We're going to have to pipe that stuff somewhere. Yeah. Um, what happens if uh, people get angry about the pipes going through uh, their uh, their land and uh, you know start a little protest? We've got to we got to give the RCMP fifty thousand dollars worth of gear per guy to go in there and make sure that those pipes keep flowing. Yeah, I, I see the logic behind this, you know, <laughs> I see a future of Russian roulette for everyone forever, yeah. you know, where where the, the final chamber never clicks. Dude, that's dark. Uh, I have to wrap up now. So, Jess, I'm just going to throw to you for the last word, if that's all right. Um, yeah, well, everything is awesome. Thanks for having me. This is um, super fun. I feel very privileged to be a returning champion. And um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming on, Jess. Yeah, yeah no worries. Lot, Jess. Uh, I love don't chatting for- with you guys. It's so fun. And don't forget, Absolutely. we've got a Patreon at seven bucks a month for a bonus episode that will come out next week. So do check that out. Uh, and thanks again to Jess for coming on. Uh, and thank you for listening. We'll see you next week, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.